welcome to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are glad you have joined us on this third Sunday of August. Let us now join our voices along with that of our ensemble to sing God of Grace, God of Glory. Hello, yeah. Good morning, everyone. My name is April Olt, the new coordinator of Children's Ministries, and I have Annalie Jane, my niece, here with me today. You want to say hi? No. Oh, no. Well, we've been talking a lot this week, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have as well, about some things that are coming up. School. We're all getting ready to go back to school. What did you get to get ready to go back to school? What is this, Annalie? That's your backpack, My yeah. 
and, and the microphone, yes. Oh, she wants to hold it. So what are some other things that you're excited about with school? Who are you going to see at school? Yeah, you can hold it. Who are you going to see at school? Annalie, do it? Are you going to do it a lot at school? Do you have friends at school? What are some of your friends' names? Who are you going to see at school? Oh, she wants to hold it. Oh, okay. So you can be my helper. So she's going to see some friends at school. Are you excited about school? Yeah. Do you do you do reading? Do you read your books at school? Yeah. You do things all by yourself at school. She loves to read. She gets really excited. And you know what? A lot of us are excited about school, and we also might be a little bit nervous, a little bit scared. It's been a long time since we've been back to school in person. So something that Annalie and I do a lot is we like to take a deep breath. Do you take a deep breath when you're nervous, Annalie? So we practice things like this. We put our hands on our belly. Do you put your hands on your belly? And we take a deep breath and we close our eyes. And we know that we have our community here with us. We have our family. We have our friends. And you know what? We also have God. God said that God will be with us always. So in that moment when we're a little bit nervous or anxious, just put your hand on your belly. She's doing it right now. You put your hand on your belly and you take a deep breath and you can say a little prayer. You can say, dear God, I'm feeling a little bit anxious or nervous and I know that you are with me always. Yeah, and then you're not alone. Is that right? Yes. And we end all of our prayers here. And Annalie and I have been practicing this at home by saying, and all God's children said, amen. Can you say amen, Annalie? No, she decided not right now. All right, have a wonderful week. Please join me for a moment of prayer. Gracious and loving God, this has been a long, hot summer and an even longer and more difficult year. We come to you this morning in this August heat seeking refreshment and renewal. This warm, humid air weighs heavily on us, making us tired before the day has even begun. Let your spirit wash over us. Let it take from us our weariness and instead bring new life. Dear God, we are parched and thirsty and for what we do not always know. Let your presence slake our thirst as we lean into the living waters of promise from your son, Jesus Christ. We offer our thanks for this refreshment and this renewal for these waters which bring new life and remind us that each day is a new beginning. Let your spirit wash over us and take from us weariness and instead energize us. We bring to you today our worries and invite you to help us find joy. We lay at your feet our insecurities and our fear and invite you to fill us with courage to be the people you have envisioned us to be. This morning we pray for all those vulnerable in our community. We pray for the sick that they may have healing we pray for every person struggling during this coronavirus pandemic, the sick, those who are facing death, those who know fear. May you be with them in each moment and bring them the strength that only the knowledge of you can bring.
May you give us courage as we stand beside them. We offer thanks for the strength and courage of our first responders, and we pray that you will keep them safe in their work of saving lives and taking care of the ill. This morning, dear God, as we are about to begin a new school year, we pray for protection and guidance for our young people and our teachers as they make their way back to the classroom. May these days be known for joy and wonder and the power of learning, and may all remain safe and healthy in their work. We pray for rain in this drought and protection from the elements for our houseless neighbors. Dear God, we pray for compassion and guidance, wisdom and desire for change in our city to address the plight of the many thousands of people living without basic human necessities in the city of angels. And this morning, God, we pray for healing. There are many in our community and our congregation who are struggling who know economic insecurity, who have been sick, who have worries that they have not shared, who are unsure about what happens next. But we know that you are with them as you're with each and every one of us. And for this, we offer our gratitude. We thank you for the many ways you work in our lives and remind us that we are never alone. You are always here. You are always our champion. You are always bringing us closer to you. And for this, we offer our thanks. We also offer thanks for the recovery and the continued healing of Richard Suttle and Jeff Swenson and Pat Murray. And we lift up all others who have known illness to you and pray for your healing touch. There are many prayers that remain on our hearts and minds that have gone unsaid. And so now we offer just a brief moment of silent prayer. All this and more is made possible through you and through the, your son, Jesus Christ, who taught it what it is to walk what we believe, to be unafraid, to have compassion, to be unafraid, to change the world around us through kindness and generosity and work. And so we pray the prayer that he taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, Hollywood family. It is wonderful to be here praying with you and worshiping with you. Even though it's a little bit far apart, we'll be together soon enough. There are wonderful things happening in the life of our church, even during this pandemic, and I wanted to share with you a few announcements. Next week, please join us after church here on the back lawn for a picnic. All people are welcome. We're going to begin at 12 p.m. Please bring your own lunch. Prepare to social distance. Bring your masks. We'll be fellowshipping starting at noon, and we can't wait to see you there. 
Next Saturday, the Saturday afterwards, on August 28th, we are going to have Vacation Bible School, which we're really excited about, and we hope you can be there. It's fun for the entire family. We ask that you do register online so we get a sense of who's coming. There's going to be group activities that everybody can do together, and we're going to be meeting between 10 and 12 p.m. at beautiful Balboa Park. After Vacation Bible School, you can enjoy the park together with your family. It's going to be an incredible day. And lastly, I want to share something with you that I'm really proud of our church for participating in. On August 29th, Sunday, from noon to 5, here at Hollywood United Methodist Church, in our parking lot, we are extremely proud to be hosting a COVID-19 vaccine clinic. Our goal is to get as many people vaccinated as need and want to be on that day, from noon to 5. Being vaccinated is a powerful way of showing love to our neighbor and faithfulness and standing with the most vulnerable people in our communities. It's also essential as we work really hard to reopen our entire community and to protect the most vulnerable around us. Vaccines are safe and they're effective. All your pastors here have been vaccinated. They've been proven reliable at diminishing the impact of COVID. And if you or someone you know needs the vaccine, please urge them to join us on 29th of August. It's free, it's open to everyone. You don't even need to register, you just need to show up. And I'm gonna be here, so I'd love to see your smiling faces. We wanna see you there, so please join us. All that we do here at Hollywood United Methodist Church is made possible through the generous tithes and offerings that you make toward our ministry. During this difficult time, during this pandemic year, your gifts are needed more than ever. There are a number of ways to make your offerings shown here on the screen and online. We hope that you will give as generously as you are able to help in our work of building the beloved community here in the heart of Hollywood and beyond. Thank you. you're not living life afraid of getting caught there is mercy found when we lay our secrets down at the cross at the cross so bring your brokenness and i'll bring mine because love can heal what hurt divides and mercy's waiting on the other 
So bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine Cause love can heal what hurt divides And mercy's waiting on the other side mm. If we're honest If we're honest if we're honest A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of the disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders, and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain, they do, in vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in, can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Words of God, words of life. Thanks be to God. Today we continue our annual summer sermon series, Crossflix, where we discover faith in film. We are examining films of all genres this summer uh, and discovering where indeed faith does intersect with film. 
It's really my favorite sermon series of the year as it gives us the opportunity to introduce the concept of finding faith and spirituality in secular society to our friends and family who may not be particularly religious or who have a suspicion of organized religion but share the same values that we in this congregation do. Now, so far we've looked at Hamilton, Sound of Metal, The Father, Soul, and Uncle Frank. The final two in our series, Jaws and Nomadland, will be met, led by pastors Mark and Bridie, respectively, over the next two weeks. Today, however, we're looking at Judas and the Black Messiah. How many of you have seen this important and yet hard-to-watch film? It's based on a true story. Judas and the Black Messiah centers on the last year in the life of the Messiah, Fred Hampton, portrayed by Daniel Kaluuya, a young activist and chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. At only 21 years of age, he met an early and tragic death when killed by Chicago police in 1969 in a targeted raid. The film centers on the last months of his life when he was a significant target of the FBI, who in the late 1960s wanted to, quote, prevent the rise of a messiah who could unify the militant black nationalist movement, a fear that was voiced in the film by FBI director J. Edgar Hoover, played against type by Martin Sheen. Now, William O'Neill, portrayed by Lakeith Stanfield, is the Judas to Hampton's Messiah. He's a car thief incarcerated for impersonating federal officers. But rather than face jail time, he accepts a deal from the FBI to infiltrate the Black Panthers and become an in informant on the actions of the party, but especially on Hampton. Let's watch the trailer. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me. one car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn. These ain't no terrorists. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom.
Unlike the biblical story of Judas's betrayal of Jesus, the film's writer and director Shaka King chose to focus on O'Neill's amoral character as much or more than that of Hampton. So we're focusing as much or more on the Judas figure as we are on the Messiah. One reviewer put it this way, the story of O'Neill as a Judas figure is not simply about betrayal, but the complexities of guilt and self-preservation. Like Judas selling out Jesus for a bag of silver, O'Neill soon sees his betrayal as means to profit. Self-preservation has now become lucrative. When Mitchell ups the stakes and asks for specific information on Hampton, O'Neill, with eyes steady and confident, attempts a small power play. He tells the FBI agent, Mitchell, if you want me to get close to Fred, then get me a car. The disordered desire that landed O'Neill in informant purgatory remains his singular focus. Greed, idolatry, and self-preservation mix, driving him deeper into betrayal and deeper into the mire of guilt. Judas and the Black Messiah is a call to contemplate the Judas tendencies that lurk within us. Now our gospel lesson for this morning will help us do that with a bit of unpacking. Mark tells us that Jesus confronts a group of Pharisees who accuse his disciples of disregarding the, quote, tradition of the elders, unquote. Specifically, the Pharisees ask why some of Jesus' followers eat their meals with defiled hands. That is why they eat without performing the ritual hand washing expected of observant Jewish people before meals. Theologian Debbie Thomas has written that we should consider the context. The first century Jews among whom Jesus ministered were an oppressed minority living in an occupied land. How were they supposed to keep their faith pure and vibrant against the backdrop of colonialization? In the midst of profound religious and cultural diversity, how were they to maintain their identity, their integrity, their heritage? So the Pharisees had a solution to this problem, which was to codify and contain the sacred. There are other theologians who call it building a fence around the law. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't condemn ritual handwashing in his response to the Pharisees. He doesn't argue that all religious traditions are evil. But what he does indict is the legalism, the self-righteousness, and the exclusivism that keeps the Pharisees away from freely loving God and loving their neighbors in ways that are relevant to their time and place. What he challenges is their unwillingness to evolve, to mature, and to change for the sake of God's kingdom. What he grieves is the Pharisees' compulsive need to police the boundaries, to decide who is in and who is out based on their own narrow definition of purity and piety. What Thomas describes that was going on then is exactly the type of legalism that is splitting our denomination into today between those who fully claim, embrace, and welcome the LGBTQIA community into the church and those who police the boundaries and would exclude. Jesus grieves today over those who would cling to that type of exclusivism over loving God and our neighbors, no matter whom 
they love. But we also know that the church is not the only place where we can find such painful legalism and resistance to change. Our film gives us a stark example of how legalism in the public square, especially when imbued with overt racism, can bring death to people of color. In 1969, J. Edgar Hoover was the head of the FBI, and he was determined to neutralize or even destroy the Black Panther movement. His criminal and his amoral actions were tacitly endorsed by the recently elected law and order president, Richard Nixon. Remember, Hoover wanted to prevent the rise of a messiah who could unify the militant black nationalist movement. Desperate to contain the actions of Hampton as his star kept rising and he was brokering relationships with other black groups, all united with simply a desire for justice for all God's people. Hoover and his deputy Mitchell raised the stakes for O'Neill. Instead of asking for simply a drawing of the layout of Hampton's apartment, they insisted that O'Neill drug Hampton's drink one night after he'd been released from jail. Because you see, the threat of incarceration was still looming over him. Well, O'Neill did so even after watching Hampton tell others that he wouldn't run and seek amnesty in another nation as he was offered, as they had raised money for him to do. No, he was going to stay and work for justice. He was going to stay and face the powers and the principalities, the racist powers and principalities that had lined up against him. Later that evening, after he'd been drugged, the FBI raided Hampton's apartment and they killed him. 1969, that was a volatile time in our nation's history. The fear of change was everywhere. Remember, in 1969, the Voting Rights Act was only three years old. The Equal Rights Amendment was gaining momentum across the country, but it hadn't reached Congress yet. Just the year before, in 1968, Dr. King had been assassinated. In 1969, Loving versus Virginia, which declared that interracial couples were actually legal in this country, had passed just two years prior. You see, rather than embrace these changes, there was a reticence among some, a, a wide swath of political forces in this country, not unlike the Pharisees in the gospel lesson, to double down and try and stop change from happening. The result in this particular moment in time was that Fred Hampton was murdered by the state in cold blood. But I know that we can all think of other examples where such intransigence, such insistence on being right at all costs and not wanting change to happen has caused pain and destruction to far too many. And yet, there is no law, not even a fence around the law that can stop change from coming. In the words of the great Curtis Mayfield, people get ready, there's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. One pastor put it like this, Jesus' main frustration seems to be the lack of understanding or acceptance from the religious leaders that the seat of sin and evil in this world 
is the human heart. It's from within our own hearts that evil intentions come. And no amount of ritual cleansing, no amount of hand washing can transform our hearts nor trick anyone but ourselves into believing otherwise. A few years ago, Pastor Nadia Boltzweber of the ELCA took to Twitter on the end of this passage in which Jesus says, for out of the human heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. And then she just added a hashtag. Jesus, I have a big heart. Out of the human heart comes all manner of evil. I have a big heart. I have a big heart. You have a big heart. We all have big hearts. The Pharisees and scribes, according to Jesus, had become so focused on the externals of faithfulness that they had neglected to examine their own hearts. Family, this film and passage call us to examine our hearts anew this day. There is no law or tradition that can offer us grace. Only God can do that and does freely. What we take in does not defile us or cause us to sin. Not washing our hands before we eat, while admittedly is kind of gross, that will not defile us. But it's the actions that come out of our hearts. Those are the things that will either build up or tear down ourselves, our friends, our community. You see, Jesus in this passage and always is calling us to align our hearts with his. Which by definition in the rest of this calendar year means there's some specific actions that we're going to be undertaking. First, continue working to dismantle systemic racism in all its forms. We have to see the opportunities, especially in law enforcement reform, that move us toward racial equality and towards restorative justice. I encourage you to use your social media platforms to promote anti-racist conversations with others with whom you may or may not agree. But a part of this as well is learning our history. I know for a fact that my young adult sons did not learn about Fred Hampton in school. They didn't learn about the Tulsa massacre. They didn't learn the fullness of Juneteenth. There's so much that they didn't learn, and they went to school here in Los Angeles. We need to be advocates for teachers to be given a wide swath to teach the fullness of history so that those parts that are difficult for us, those parts that we cringe at reading, those parts that are too painful for us to even feel, that we read them again and feel them so that we will not repeat them. We need to advocate for a federal voting rights response to the 40 plus states that have passed restrictive voting laws that disproportionately disenfranchise people of color. Census data came out this week and it shows that we are on the way to becoming a majority minority country faster than we anticipated. In fact, by the 2030 census, we might be there. That's why it's critical that we enable every person who wants to vote, who is over 18, be able to cast a vote with ease. 
They need to not be encumbered by intentional roadblocks that are being set up in far too many state legislatures. You see, it's not a matter of party. It's a matter of principle. That's the principle this country was founded on, and we as people of faith need to be advocates for it. We need to continue to work to affirm the portion of the United Methodist Church that is welcoming of all persons, and by all we mean all, and by our own example, help to lead it forward into its next iteration, whatever that might be, and whenever General Conference might next meet. And then finally, we need to have real conversations with our friends and family who, for whatever reason, have not yet been vaccinated. By real conversations, I mean listening intently, affirming their hesitancies, but yet inviting them into a new place of hope. Especially on August 29th, we have that opportunity here. We're going to be ringing for the vaccine. Every person who is vaccinated this afternoon, on that afternoon, we're going to ring the carol on. And we're hoping to have at least 100 people vaccinated. But it's not about that ability. We're glad, we're, as Pastor Brighty said, we're glad we were able to be in ministry this way. But what it is, is if we really want to get back to any kind of place of normalcy, and we want to protect those under 12 who are too young to be vaccinated, we have to raise the vaccination rates in our nation, but even here in Los Angeles County. So please plan to be vaccinated if you're not. If you want to talk to Pastor Bridie or to me, you know, just send us an email. We'll be glad to have a conversation with you to help allay any fears you might have. But I encourage you to talk to your doctor because your doctor is going to tell you to trust the science and get vaccinated. So as we go forth this day, family, let us examine our hearts. Let us rid them of anything that would separate us from God or each other. Let us remember the prescient words of Fred Hampton. You can kill a revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. And let us proclaim with our hearts and our actions that the Jesus revolution of love and justice is here to stay. Amen. Go forth this day knowing that God loves you, knowing that God has given you God's grace abundantly, and knowing that Jesus calls us to clean our hearts and to follow his. Go forth in peace to love and to serve the world. Amen.